we are here at the pop-up event for Woodbury House um, at the show, which is called The Journey. I'm here with, I'm going to say it, the, the legend, Dace. Better um, you say it than me. <laughs> if, you're, um, if you're into art at all, uh, specifically street art, this is definitely one of the guys that paved the way for so many individuals. And um, I really want to dig deep into like the background, the heritage of your story, you know, your artwork and things like that. Um, we've also got um, Mimbozo here, the wellness company, helping us and uh, making sure everything runs smoothly. So I really, really appreciate it. Days, thank you very much for coming on my, no on my podcast. No problem, thank you. Cool. So uh, before we talk about your wonderful work, including this one behind me, um, you were born in the 60s, right? Yes. New York? Yes. Obviously in, in US, US of A. Um, what, what, what was it like back then, you know, you're, because I'm from London, South London, being from New York in that era, in that kind of scene, in that environment, what, what was that like? Well, I was born in 1962 in New York City, so I'm a native New Yorker. Okay. And um, obviously <coughs> I, I remember towards the late 60s, some of the things that were happening around the country and all over the world. You know, I'd sit down and, and with my family and, you know, we'd all watch the six o'clock news. So I remember vividly, you know, every night, you know, seeing reports about the Vietnam War and what was happening there. And kind of as a kid, you know, wondering when it was ever going to end because it was always talking about like the number of troops that were killed and this and that. But, you know, at the same time, there was technology that was speeding forward. And, I, and very vividly remember, um, you know, Neil Armstrong and you know, landing on the moon and being, as a kid, being really excited about what that meant for our future moving forward. Um, <coughs> New York City in particular was much different than what it is now. It was a very economically depressed place, a lot edgier, crime-ridden, drugs, gangs, all, all of these things, which have negative connotations, were very much, you know, a part of my childhood as a kid growing up, things that I've witnessed. And, uh, but if it, you know, weren't for those things, I mean, I think maybe all of this might not have happened because, because of those things, uh, you had a real do-it-yourself culture, very do-it-yourself where you weren't waiting for permission to do something. Okay. You know, you, do, you would just do it. And, I, and that went from uh, painting a side of a subway car. You could, you know, hip hop, the hip hop movement, you could say punk rock was also came out of the same do it yourself culture. Okay. You, know, you had people that were promoting it. And, you know, n none of this was waiting around for corporate sponsorship or permission. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know because I've had conversations with you, but that also Woodbury House we've promoted for some time, the Richard Hamilton yes. um, original works and some of his limited editions. And I love the story behind Hamilton, but the downsides, the only one downside we ever had with the Hamilton stuff is we couldn't, we never met him. You know, we, we never got to meet him, have a chat with him, and I would love to pick his brain. And when I knew that we were going to do a show with you, I just was so excited to have the opportunity and ask you to get you on the podcast because I like to talk about like even like your affiliates, like who, who you used to maybe paint with, socialize with. I mean, you knew 
Jean-Michel Basquiat, you knew yes. Keith Haring. I mean, yeah. wasn't Richard Hamilton your, uh, your, your landlord at one stage? I rented an apartment for, from him for about four to five years Man. in the 80s. So um, a little backstory about that. Um, Richard, there was another artist that was in that apartment before me and he was about to move out. Yeah. So he asked me if I wanted to kind of take over his arrangement, his okay. lease with Richard. So uh, Richard had two storefronts that he had on the ground floor. Yeah. So one was used as his studio and the other one as his living space. Okay. And he had my apartment, which was on the second floor, like right above the studio. So we met and, and Richard was always, already kind of infamous with his shadow figures and his other things that he did, like he did another series called Image Mass Murder, which was... Uh, the crime scene. The crime scene on the ground. We replicated one of those once. We got a student from Christie's, the auction house, yeah. and she came in and done a replica. And we had oh, it there wow. for probably about a year. And we used to get a lot of comments all the time about it. Yeah. And it was inspired because of Hamilton. So it could, you know, those things could be kind of scary for people if you just happen to run it upon one at, at night. You know, even his like shadow figures could be kind of, you know, coming out of doorways. People would wonder what it was. Yeah. But Richard was very a methodical person in what he did and, and, and what he did had a, a very specific plan to it. So I saw a lot of his works in progress and, you know, we became friends. Yeah. Cool. And. Um, what was it like? I mean, I, I really want to ask you this, but like people like Jean-Michel Basquiat and Keith Haring, what were these individuals like? Because I've read so much about their, their, their history, their work. And you know, like what you just said as well about um, being from New York at that time, that era, and there was a lot of crime and you wouldn't change it because it, 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 it's all factored into the story and the narrative behind your work. And I, I also heard that with Jean-Michel Basquiat, even though he died at a very, very young age, premature, the drugs, you know, very, I would never promote anyone to do drugs, but it kind of influenced his work and some of his best workers when he was, when he was on drugs, many did, did say. Um, well, I, what, what I, don't was, know, I don't know if I would credit that so much with his work. Mm -hmm. um, I, think his, I think his use of drugs was kind of tying into a certain mythology that okay. he was already creating. And I say that because a lot of his heroes, whether it's uh, Billie Holiday or Jimi Hendrix or Charlie, pa <coughs> Charlie Parker in particular, they were all idols of his. And those people all died you know, at, at a young age yeah. from drug-related deaths. And, uh, and I think for him, probably in the beginning, it was more about experimentation. Okay. And then when you find out, you find out too late that, you know, you're not in control anymore. Um, I'm not the expert on John michel but I, I think that his, his best work might have been his earlier stuff. Yeah. But the later, the later work evolves into something different because his influences became different yeah maybe maybe more african yeah yeah keith 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 haring was a different case completely he and i were great friends i learned a lot from keith and the way he carried himself uh, he he was not just an art world figure but somebody that contributed to the fabric of what new york city was all about very political 
very um, behind anti-nuclear protests, gay rights, and the, and the whole AIDS thing, um, and bringing awareness towards those things. He was all behind that, you know. And when he passed away, I felt like a part of New York had passed away. Mm. Yes. I've read, read uh, again about, about him. Um, so Jean-Michel Basquiat and, and Keith Haring, as artists, I think they're incredible. Um, what would I like as just individuals, like, just to talk to as friends? Like, would you go for a beer with them at the, in the bars and stuff like that? Or was it not that kind of relationship? Well, you know, I think you have to go back to thinking about what New York City was like, uh, the climate. So the club culture was very much a part of of the art world, the whole fabric of New York, you know, so the art world and the club culture were kind of intertwined. So there, was, there were a lot of exhibitions that happened at places like the Mud Club and Area, and the Palladium, and places like that. And, and, you know, you'd go out socially and I would see them all the time. Mm, cool. So your, your artwork then, um, I always like to ask artists this, um, influence. I know your the, the 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 scene at that time and the era obviously influenced you. Did you ever take any influence from like specifically other artists that you knew of? Yeah, I'm influenced by uh, many things: other artists, music, films, photography. Um, you know, there's a whole gamut of things. There's not really one specific artist in particular, but you know, for example, like I was working on a series about Times Square, New York. Okay. And the inspiration that I was drawing from that um, came more from photography. Okay. Uh, the way it had been photographed throughout the years and trying to translate uh, some of that, some of the kind of sensational aspects of that into painting. Okay. Um, times, you know, I also take photographs and shoot film and things like that. So it was not a hard stretch for me to kind of create paintings that tied into all of that yeah so um as a as an artist was it i don't know what your school life was like and home life was like but was it a decision from an early age you was going to become a painter not at all or, it just, or, yeah it was um you know i was a big fan of comics like marvel comics mad magazine and underground comics so i kind of thought that i would try to kind of go in that direction okay um and then I, I, I gradually was finding out that the way you begin in the comic world is, you know, you're sharpening somebody's pencils or emptying the wastebasket. It doesn't matter how good of an art. So that didn't seem too appealing to me. Okay. Um, I did not, you know, making paintings, I began making paintings almost as like a, an experiment. Uh, it, it was something new to me. I, I did go to art school. I, I, I got kicked out of art school, um, but I made my first paintings maybe about 1982, and I realized I was, I was very interested in it. You know, okay. I don't want to use the word epiphany, but it almost seemed like that because it was a brand new medium to me. Okay, because you started on the, the, the streets first, and then you uh, moved subways, on to, yeah. yeah. So I was going to talk about this particular piece, yeah. um, which I really love, and um, I don't know if I've got this right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when I look at a piece like this, this is like a typical, your typical style. Yeah. Uh, some of the other pieces in there, which are all fabulous, but these two pieces in the back, I wouldn't say straight away that is a typical 
day style. So if we talk about this first, sure. Subways. What what is the um, kind of attachment to the to the subways and the, the the drawings and the eyes and things? Well, this painting is really about uh, the environment in which someone creates artwork. So uh, here you have this guy in this kind of tunnel, and this tunnel is a, like a really uh, it's a very real place in <coughs> Brooklyn. And um, it's not exactly a subway tunnel. It was a it was a freight tunnel okay. where, where at one time they brought cargo in and they would load it off the docks. But this guy, this character in the painting, has kind of found this place of solitude in which to compose songs. And from my career, you know, as a beginning as a subway artist, you know, the tunnel subway tunnels were one of the places that I w I would go to to create work. Okay. It's almost like 3D. Like really, yeah, really I cool. use like a like ground pumice okay. um, to create this real physical surface to yeah. it. And uh, the eye in the painting is like kind of a witness to what's happening. Okay, okay, wicked. Um, so I know you started on the streets, subways and things like that. Um, was you ever afraid that, you know, because... I, I don't know if you got permission first or whatever, but was you ever worried that you might get arrested for it? Or did you ever get arrested for doing stuff like that? I, I personally have never been a arrested, but that's always a concern when yeah. you're doing anything illegal, you know, but, you know, at that age, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Yeah, it's that's, a bit of the fun and a bit of the thrill. It's, yeah, it's part of the motivation that gets your adrenaline running. Yeah, cool. Um, I would have loved to see New York back of that, like be a fly on the wall and see it all because I'm quite fascinated with like the kind of edginess of it all. Um, obviously the, the drugs, the prostitution, the, the, the gangs and all that kind of stuff. Did you ever lose really good friends or artists to like to, 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 to maybe like violence and stuff like that? Was it quite a- Many people. Really? Yeah, And it was, through drugs or violence. It's a very dangerous place. Could be, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still losing people like that, you know, it's it's just a part of it, Yeah. you know. And how, how much of that do you think it influences your, your work? I mean, do you ever, I remember listening to, um, who was it? I think it was Adele, and I know this is slightly separate, but there's a point to it. She was trying to come up with an album and she was recording fabulous singer, incredible, uh, very powerful voice, as you well know, and she had a breakup with her boyfriend and then straight after she went into the music studio and she developed this unbelievable album and it, you know, become, you know, what it is today and she's done very well off the back end of it. So there's a lot to recognise that when you go through a bit of pain or adversity, your art, whether that is songs, whether that's fashion, whether that's painting, it can be heavily influenced. Would you say that when you've ever lost someone or? Well, I think that pain can be a real impetus towards creation. You know, you go through something like tragic like that and you, you know, find some kind of way therapeutically to deal with it. Okay. I don't really do too many paintings that are, you know, straight up memorialized people. Okay. However, even some of the ex paintings in this exhibition, I have mentioned, you know, the names of people that are no longer with us. Yeah. Cool. So it, uh, it's not kind of in your face memorial but it is very much there okay so you're you've made an incredible name for yourself it started in in uh, new york where else have you have you uh, painted and done exhibitions around the world oh wow you know there's many places from like brazil to italy singapore japan 
Switzerland, in, in America, Miami, and Los Angeles, cool. New York, obviously. And you've got a show happening. I mean, of course, we're doing the, the one with Woodbury House at the moment called The Journey. Um, and we're going to have most of the pieces in our private studio in Archer Street. So if anyone's interested, you know where to find us. Um, but you've got another show happening next month in Italy? Yeah, I have another show happening in Florence at a place called uh, Galleria del Palazzo. Okay. That opens the first week of June. I don't know the... I think the date is maybe June 10th. Okay. But I'm not entirely certain about that yet. But yes, I do. And it will be uh, a mural commission that I'm doing within the Palazzo, a big exhibition and a capsule clothing line. Yeah, cool. You've done two murals for us. Uh, yes. One around the corner in Soho, which yeah. is brilliant. It's next to the Supreme store. And then another one, which I haven't personally seen yet, and I need to go over and see, um, in, in Shoreditch, which I mean, both were captured and it, and it looks really, 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 really yeah, good. Yeah, it looks great. Um, when you do a mural like that then, I mean, you've been doing it for years, so you are basically a pro, pro at it, but do you just literally go over to wall and just freehand and just, just go for it, or do you plan something? Well, the one that I did here in Soho, I had an idea, you know, it was in my head, so I wasn't really referring to anything, any sketch, okay. but I did have an idea of what it was going to be. So that started out like that, and the one in Shoreditch, um, I, I had a sketch, okay. but you even having a sketch, you never really know what it's going to look like until you start painting it. Things change. So the painting at Shoreditch changed a bit. Yeah. You know, when you look at like the context of the wall and its size, you can either con expand or contract. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the, both things are real physical in the way that they're approached. Okay. You know, you're kind of not sitting in a chair painting. You're, you're getting up, moving around, and going up and down a ladder. In Shoreditch, you know, I had started it and, and I had to one day and I had to come back the following day to do that. And um, it was more like in a fight with the, a knockdown fight with the rain to try <laughs> to finish it. So, Welcome to London. Yeah. <laughs> so I was dealing with that. Yeah. And I uh, really was trying to do something accurate, but at the same time, speed was obviously a factor. Yeah. Um, a lot of artists, it seems to me, as they build and become a household name, they become very credible. Uh, you then start getting other brands approaching you to maybe for collab opportunities. Uh, I know Futura uh, has done many different things with yeah. Hennessy and the list, is, the list goes on and there's a bunch of other artists. Who have you ever collabed with or have you got any coming up, you know, any exciting projects? Uh, I have worked with Stussy and I've worked with Nike a bit. I've worked with Uniqlo. The designer I'm working with in Italy is called Enrico Colvery. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of work on it, you know, as the opportunities arise and I think depending on the brand, it could be real interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You're and Rag and Bone, I mean, I have yeah, a Yeah, Rag, Rag yeah, and Bone, we've done that. I can't forget to mention them too. Yeah, we've done the book sign in there as well on Thursday night, which was, which yeah. was pr pretty cool. Was it Thursday night or Wednesday night? It was Wednesday, Wednesday. night, yeah. Um, do you know when you see um, auctions, and I'm gonna point out one specific one, uh, just going back to the name Jean-Michel Basquiat, in 2017, I think Christie's auctioned one of his pieces and it was a billionaire that bought his work. Uh, I think it was $110.5 million. 
as an artist, how would you feel if suddenly one day a piece like that of one of your works, original works, go for a crazy amount like that? I mean, could you ever imagine that kind of thing happening? I mean, auctions kind of make me nervous. So I find, the, I find it fascinating and repelling at the same time. Yeah. But as an artist, I think that you've got to put it out of your mind, yeah. especially when you're working. And that can't be a factor in the creation of what you do. Um, I also think those kind of numbers are so abstract that it would be hard for me to visualize what it would look like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I just wouldn't know. Yeah. Because so. what, I've, what I've noticed being in the art industry for some time now is there are more and more different diverse people getting involved. It's not you're just a typical art lover or collector. You are now getting investors involved. Yeah. People who are almost trading art like they would with maybe other products. Yes. Um, and I, I'm just curious because some artists are really against the whole monetization of things. Some of them are really for it. I just wanted to see what your, your kind of take on it was. Well, I look at money as a tool. So, I mean, it's great, you know, obviously to sell work. And, and I have for many years now. Um, but you get that money and then, and then what? Yeah. You know, what, what are you going to do with it? You know, you're going to put it away. I mean, it, it, it's different for everybody. But if you look at it as a tool to do other things and maybe to realize other projects, I think that's a good thing. Or even maybe to help other people realize yeah. what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. I was going to get onto that actually. My next question is, if you were going to give like advice or tips or suggestions to someone wanting to maybe follow a similar path to yours, let's say, let's just say someone wanted to get into art for the first time as an artist, what is a couple of good solid tips that you can give them? Well, I work with a lot of kids for different projects and workshops and people ask me that question and, and I'm very clear about telling people, you know, if you're gonna begin painting to become rich and famous, you might as well hang it up. Don't yeah. even start. Because more or less, it's probably not gonna happen. It's great if it does, but it might not. And then what? Yeah. So paint or create work because you've got an inner, inner need to do that and that should be like your main impetus that should be number one yeah that should be number one I also think too that you've got to have a good work ethic and that is really um, underestimated people think that it's only about talent and I, I know I've known some pretty talented people that have horrible work ethic yeah it's not working out for them yeah so so when you say work ethic you mean really put the hours in graph like like yeah. hell and put out put out work and content basically yeah or work every day at a, at a good pace that's all and we as a brand woodbury house we're not artists but our job is to promote the artists and do something a little bit different pop-up events collaborations get hopefully get the artists and our brand into different publications. I know we recently just got into GQ, which is great. That's great. And there's a couple of other publications that we got into as well. How important is it for an artist to ge generate their work, but then work with the right brands, like the right gallery or right art agency? Because I, I bet there's, like anything, like any business, there's some, you know, not so good ones out there. Yeah, you, you know, some people can be real clowns, 
but you gotta be, you've gotta ask questions and be a little, little cautious about who you work with. Um, I've come into contact with some really large brands and was really surprised to see how they, they treated art in a way. Some people, not everybody, that it, you know, it just wasn't important to them or they felt like they could just throw out any number and you'd be happy with that. Yeah. So it really helps to have a sense of yourself and what your self-value is yeah. in those situations. Yeah. Because part of being an artist as well, when you're starting to promote, if you want to take it mainstream commercial, you have to start learning a little bit of business and also how to negotiate. Yeah. I bet you've been in some quite tough negotiations for some fairly big galleries and things. Yeah, I mean, even with galleries, you know, I mean, if you hear that a gallery is not treating their artists well, not just one person, but many of their artists well, then... Maybe that's the time, to, maybe they're not the people you want to work with. Yeah. You know, or if you do work with them, make sure that you're protected. Yeah. Have a lawyer. Yeah. You know, have an accountant. Yeah. So um, as an artist, do you collect other yes. artists' work? Yeah. And if I can ask, who do you collect? I mean, my collection is... It's very eclectic and it's a lot of different people. Okay. It's obviously the work of my peers, people like Crash or Futura, or, you know, people like that. But I also collect photography. Okay. Um, I've got some great pieces by some well-known photographers, um, a little bit of sculpture only because I don't really have the space for that. Yep. Yep. But it's, it's really eclectic. I'd say that it's um, it's all contemporary art. Okay, and is it is it to collect because you just enjoy the work, or you've got other motivations behind it? Just because I enjoy it. Yeah, I don't um, speculate. Okay, but um, I have prints by different people, but I try to collect things that are original. Okay, and not addition. Who is maybe I won't say who is your favorite artist, but if you were to say your top three artists, who who would they be? Who would come to your your mind straight away? Wow, I don't know. <laughs> um, now or living or dead? It could be any anyone. Yeah, I like an artist named Reginald Marsh. Okay, he was from the nineteen forties and fifties, an American <clears> painter <throat> that captured New York. I like him. Um, here's one spectrum. To, I like George Kondo. Yeah, you know really that's cool. from one area to another. Uh, Renaissance work. I, I like Caravaggio. Okay, he, he was an incredible painter I, that I'm drawn to a lot. Yeah, and I learn from, or try to learn from a lot. So I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that does just a few, but there's a lot more than that. Okay, there's a there's a name. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Ramosi. Ramosi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you? Did you know him? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Because uh, sometimes I see like some of his work and your work, I can see there's a, I, I feel that there's like a connection there. It, was he someone that you knew really well? Or? Yeah, I respected his work. He respected my work too. I think we're coming from <coughs> two different places, but there was a kind of uh, a level playing ground at some point. Yeah. And yeah, I liked him a lot. Yeah. How did you come up with the name Days? Uh, I in high school, I you know choosing a name to to ride on trains was really important. 
really important. I don't think kids today realize how finding an original name kind of establishes your identity. So I went through a couple of different things and then I started thinking more about the letters that I could draw best and, and, and I put it, put it together. Okay. Um, I'm sitting on one of the chairs that you've, um, we call it over here, I don't know if it's the same phrase or the same way of describing it, but tag. Tagging, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to stand up for the camera. This is one of the, the chairs that you tagged up. Um, when you first started, was it tagging, or did you go straight into like things like this? Like, no, when I began, it was about tagging. Tagging. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big culture in um, in the UK even now that tagging is quite a quite a quite a normal thing. So everyone at school, the culture back back in the day for you was to was to um, was to tag up. Tag up the, the train stations and stuff, yeah? Yeah, tagging was like the beginning. Okay, it was almost like playing football or, yeah. learn, or learning. That was a, the early stages. Okay, okay. And that, are many of the artists that you went to school with, are they still around or? Yeah, I mean, I went to school with, though at different times with um, Al Diaz. Okay. Um, Todd James Reese. Like the school that I went to was a, art, a specialized art high school called the High School of Art and Design. Okay. So um, there were many artists that, that went there. Okay. You know the designer Mark Jacobs? Yes. He went there. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, outside of art, you're a, you're a family man. Yeah, uh, I have two kids and a wife. Brilliant. Yeah. So, um, but your, your, your career um, and the way you generate money and stuff is obviously through art. So you must spend a lot of time away from the children and stuff. Is it, is it hard as an artist doing that? It's real hard, but you know, I balance it. So I don't spend too much time away from them, but periodically I have to travel for stuff. And you know, sometimes they, you know, c come with me on trips. And But I think that when they get older, you know, they'll come along more often. Yeah, that's cool. Do you, yeah. do you, I know I asked you this off of uh, before, but do you think any of them will get into, into art? You know, I don't. I don't know. Um, I know that I, you know, I bring them to my studio, and they have their own little setup there, their own easels and their own, and, and I have plenty of space so they can get messy if they want to. But um, I, I don't. I don't want to push it on them. They're, they're, I see that they're influenced by drawing and painting, but they're also influenced by technology. Okay. I think I think a lot of children are these days. It's become a major so, culture. Which my my wife and I try to make sure that they they have a balance with that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, on that note, um, we were talking earlier about Facebook, Instagram, yeah. Twitter. There's LinkedIn. There's Snapchat. I mean, the list is almost endless. Yes. Um, bit of a paradox, isn't it? Social media, because on one hand. You kind of need it in order to engage to an audience and promote yourself but then at the same time if you're on it all the time you just get pulled into it and there's yeah. even documentaries now on um, Netflix and things talk, talking and showing that it can actually lead to depression and to major anxiety what's your kind of thought or relationship with uh, social media like well I think it's like anything else now <clears throat> you have to know why you're doing that but why why are you doing that do you have something do you, do you have something to promote to share you know so very early on i decided that for example um i wanted to share images with people promote what i do make sure that you know i have a, a, a big audience or, or maybe attract an even bigger audience 
through that. But also, I like to see what other people are doing. That's cool. You know, and I, I like to be aware, uh, at the very least, of what other people are doing. And I find out about exhibitions that way. I mean, I don't like to experience an exhibition, you know, through my phone. I'd rather be there in real in real time. But it's a, it's a good way to kind of kind of just become aware of it. Okay. What are your goals in the next five, ten years, maybe? Where would you like to? What would you like to do? Places to go? Family goals? Is there any kind of you know achievement that you haven't quite hit yet, and you're pursuing it? I think professionally, I'd like to do some. I'd really love to do some large-scale sculptural works because, in a way, that's another kind of street art. You know, it's out there in the public, and you are. Um, your work is coming into contact with people that normally, you know, wouldn't be like an art audience. So I, I would like to do that and maybe do some big, big sort of collaborations, maybe with some brands. Yeah. Um, that could also be interesting. And Any particular brands that you fancy doing a... Uh... I don't kind of want to give them a free plug yet, <laughs> but yeah, I would like to do some things because, you know, through word of mouth, you can... You can figure out who are the people you'd like to work with and the people you'd like to stay away with. Yeah. From. Um, in terms of my family life, I just you know want to stay on point with with that and make sure my kids are getting a great education in every way. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife has really been amazing. Yeah. In that way too. That's good. Are you into anything else uh, outside of you know family time and um, obviously work? Anything else that you're passionate about? Hobbies? You know, I don't. I don't really have a time for a hobby. I mean, because you know, I, I'm I'm so with the kids, working with that, and then trying to balance that with with painting. That you know, I mean, I don't really have like a like a side gig. Okay, that's enough. Yeah, fair, fair play. Yeah. Um, okay, so if people wanted to follow you, yes. obviously we've got the Woodbury House um, Instagram and, and, and our pages on social media that, where they can find your work. But if they were to follow you directly, where can they, where can they follow you? Directly, uh, I have a website that's called daysworld.com. Okay. And my only form of social media is Instagram, and you can find me at daysworldnyc. Okay. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, at the end of all my podcasts, I always say a little phrase, like a catchphrase, which is be happy, never content. Yeah. There's a reason behind that. But rather than me explain it, if I were to say to you, what's your interpretation of be happy, never content? What, what would you say behind that? Well, I, wow. I don't know. <laughs> I think in, in life, it's important to have interest because okay. that can take you a hell of a lot farther than anything else. Cool. I know you, uh, you've got to get a flight tomorrow. I know you're going to go and have a meal tonight with Michael, one of the other co-founders to Woodbury. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks the event, uh, the journey was absolutely rocking. I mean, we had all kinds of different people here. Awesome. The publications are, are, are great. I think everything around it has just been... Yeah, I had an amazing time here. And, and uh, you know, I, I hadn't been in, in London um, since 1996. So... Coming back here after so many years, I didn't consciously stay away, but coming back has been really incredible. It really feels like this is my first visit. Yeah. Yeah. So it's your first 
show actually. And it's my first exhibition here, and the murals that I did in Soho and Shoreditch were the first murals that I've done. Yeah, proper mural, and everybody at Woodbury House, the whole team has been just amazing to work with. Far better than I could have imagined. That's really, really yeah. nice. We're very, very humbled by it, and I'm, I'm absolutely honoured that you come on the podcast and. Cool share some of your stories and, and your, your background. And I think it's important because, like I said off camera, when people are going to purchase and collect art, I think it's very, very important people understand the narrative and the story behind the Absolutely. artist and also the work. Um, and that's why doing the podcast and the YouTubes and stuff is, is, is quite important in yeah, my opinion. For sure. Okay, thank okay, you man. for your time. Thank you very much. Thank Cheers. You.